Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Brooke Lennon. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at BrookeLennon.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Movement. Get 15% off today by going to MVMT.com slash BCPod. That's MVMTMovement.com slash BCPod. Good job, Toby. Today's show is also sponsored by Lyft. Start driving for Lyft today and check this out. You can get a $500 new driver bonus. Just go to Lyft.com slash Christian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Bad Christian Podcast. Mm -hmm. Very... Good. Hey, did you, did you guys? Did you guys hear about the uh, yep. the latest allegations? Like the biggest, you know, the the biggest one yet. The latest one. Have y'all heard? Whatever like, this joke is, it's not going to be good. But no, it's, it's, gonna, it's, it's not going to be funny, out. and it's going to get us no. in trouble. Go ahead with the punchline, Joey. Here we with, go. With men and women, uh, I mean, with men like a uh, heckling women and sexually harassing. Did y'all hear the latest one? Here we go. What is yep. it? Have you heard the latest one? I'm about to hear it. Our president, he's been talking about grabbing pussies. He's been <laughs> he's been saying crazy things about women and degrade. Like our our president is now doing. I, I, our president that's of not, all people, it's our president now. That's not breaking news it's though, just, is it? Wasn't that like oh. earlier than the other ones? Yeah, but Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that hilarious now that people say stuff? Like, the point I will never get over Obama, all he did was just the presidency. Yeah, like, he, he, like he just, yeah. there was no like shame. There was no uh, bad stuff. They tried to say he wasn't from this country, couldn't prove any, all this stuff. Like, they tried to find stuff, couldn't find anything. And all he did was just be honorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and cool and right? nice, kind, yep. welcoming, generous. Uh, you know, but man, sure I'm glad we got Trump, right? This is way better, <laughs> it's funny, apparently. <laughs> it's funny that it's just funny how when you get into the whole into a mode of something, you've just it's obvious obvious that you've just decided how it's going to go, and then at some point, I mean, at some point you snap and you go, wait a second, this is too much or something. I don't know, but it seems like people hardly get to that. I was thinking of a really funny uh, crossover point was if you think about Christmas coming up, think about all of the. Oh wait! Think about Christians and Christmas long ago, before American commercialization of Christmas. Let's say it was Christmas. It's a holiday. It's about Jesus. It's a Christmas. It's a Christian holiday, you know. And then at Santa is in there, and some presents are in there, and some decorations are in there, and it gets crazy all the way until let's just go back ten years ago. 
it's Christmas and it is unbelievably commercialized and everything about Christmas is red and green lights and presents and shopping and Black Friday. Unbelievable shift from all the way from being Jesus's birth to what we knew of Christmas 10 years ago. And, And then, then one tiny little thing happened. People started saying happy holidays instead of Christmas. And it's like, oh, what the fuck? I know. Right? Yeah. Then everybody got upset. It was already 99.9% removed from Christ in the first place. And then as soon as somebody said happy holidays, you got, that's too damn far. That's yep. it. Now I'm mad. Now you ruined my holiday. It was our Chris- Christian thing until you said happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. It yeah, really we, we've gives, it, we've lied we've lied to our kids about a magical person that comes to no to problem your with any of that until you still <laughs> ain't no you problem with that to holiday man. cups then it's over now we protest <laughs> I, I feel like it, we probably live in a day and age where it, it just are wanting to get mad about something or anything yep. can be said. I was, I, like I was talking to you a little bit before, before the, like uh, yesterday, I've been sick all week, which is crazy. Uh, been coughing up unbelievable green stuff, stomach tore up. Now my daughter's sick, had to clean up vomit two times in a row. What was really funny is uh, I got home yesterday after school and we were like, yeah, Junie's sick. And he, and he was working on this toy thing. They have There's these beads. There's beads all over my house now. Joey, your girls have the beads where you put them on like a little pegboard and then iron it. You know what I'm talking about? Have you uh, ever seen that? It's like a pegboard bead thing. Anyway, Ike's working on a... They're poo- really smart kids. My, Ike's my working kids on really a poo smart. emoji. <laughs> pegboard <laughs> ironing thing. And he's just sitting there and he goes, I was like, yeah, June's not feeling well. He just looks up and goes, oh, is June going to die like Maybell? Oh, no. <laughs> back, to, back, <laughs> back to my poo emoji. Oh, and he just went right shit. back to his poo emoji. <laughs> I was like, shit. I said, I, oh. I, I went to full dad and I was like, no, she isn't going to die. She's just sick. <laughs> Good Lord, son. And he was just right back working on his poo emoji. I was like, shit. Uh, it's, but it's, it, good, it's good to know at this age they're just super close and they watch out. Well, if she's going to go, it, he didn't even care. Her to go he, now he, while he doesn't <laughs> care that much then. As well. I know. It was almost like, it's like, you know, she got a boo boo or something. Oh, is she going to die? I, I don't know. I'm back to my work. Anyway. Uh, but so I've had a little bit of time to kind of lay around and listen to podcasts. I was listening to Joey's podcast, uh, Pastor with No Answers. He had Jesse Smith from Zayo, who's just amazing. Their Zayo DVD is one of my all time favorites. But uh, you, you guys were talking about mental health and, and mental, I guess, illness and stuff like that. But he said one thing that really struck me, and it was uh, the idea that uh, just because there's a thought doesn't mean you have to validate it or that it's accurate or real or you have to give it any any framework of reality or. Uh, that you need to even respond to it. There's, there are thoughts in your head all the time that can just flow in and out, and that's okay. That doesn't mean it's you. It doesn't mean that's who you are. It's not your mm-hmm. identity. But what we are seeing now is in social media, that same thing's happening. Thoughts fly out of people's heads, and they just say them, but then the other people take them as real or valid, or I need to respond. I do this. I see somebody say something, and I want to respond, or I get mad, or I get angry. How could they do this? And it's so bizarre. Like you were saying, the olden, like old, olden days before Christmas was so commercialized and stuff. In the olden days, like me back in high school in the 90s or whatever, if you didn't like somebody or they said something bad, you just avoided them. You didn't take it as accurate, or you just thought that person's a shithead or whatever. You didn't like... 
you, there was no opportunity for your voice to be heard and their voice, and it's a big debate, and uh, who's right, and if I can shut you down or you shut me down. Also, like, now we are validating everything. Yeah, you like, know what? It, That's like, weird. The same way as with holidays. Like, uh-oh, somebody's just saying happy holidays. No, got to shut them down because this is real, and it's dangerous to my belief. That's not true. With the digital it's trail, true. it's just everything stays open. Like, all conflicts are permanently open. Like, it used to be right. me and you getting a fight on the bus for five minutes, and then that's over. But if that was on a right. comment thread... It's, it's permanent, right? If me and you have gotten in a fight on Facebook <laughs> about a topic, argument. it just stays open as long as people want to view our fight or You're our right. temper, which I, you and I don't fight on Facebook. We just fight in real life. I know. We don't even that's fight on the I, podcast, that's what I think just you, you and do. Joey. But you yeah, know what I mean? think everybody should make a deal. I think Joey said this last week. You just don't, no matter what, you just don't do it. Just don't fight. It don't, don't do it. Stay away from it. If somebody pisses you off, just scroll. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. You don't have to walk there. away. You don't no. have to walk away. You don't have to delete Facebook. You don't. You just scroll. You bring up that's another it. interesting can... thing there, and that's that your thoughts are not you. But in a way, I mean, it's like, well, they. How are? I mean, you get into a really weird thing of do we have free will and what is what? But your thoughts arise from your brain, and we know you have right. bad thoughts. But are you your bad thoughts or just competing systems in your brain? Like we know people that have brain injuries wind up doing all, sometimes these really, if you have a brain tumor pressing on the wrong region of your brain, this part of your, uh, other, other part of your brain could take over where you have these dark thoughts or actions like the, the, right. the tower shooter in Texas had that problem, you know, back in the seventies or whenever that was. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you have these really bad thoughts. They are, and so they come from within you and they come out, but you're not necessarily them. So, but once you type your thought, well, it's on your profile. You know, that is kind of you. Then. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like once you have your yeah. thought, you think, are you the thinker of your thoughts is a good question. Do your thoughts come and you embrace them and then you say them and then you think them and then you articulate them and then you become them? Like, or yeah. you're just bound, they just, you know, kind of a weird philosophical but, question like, there. Like, for example, though, that, that, that just takes me to the next step is, is you aren't nobody. Nobody understands or gives anybody any time to change. The same way as maybe the best thing ever is that Christmas has gotten so commercialized that Christians let go of it and yeah. don't make it a Christian hot. Like make if you want Christ in Christmas, then make your personal life right. and, and holiday about Christ, and it will be. It, it will be. Will right. be don't that. be offended. Yeah. Don't don't be offended that you walk into a store that belongs to someone <laughs> else and say, I can't believe you guys aren't saying Merry Christmas. This is ridiculous. It's not your store. Yeah. Just I got family members that boy, there. boycott. You can boycott. That boycott. That. <laughs> we, went, Happy <laughs> we went to a thing in Bellevue, you know, in Seattle, of course. And it's, oh my gosh, what a production it is. They have a parades every night in Bellevue, Snowflake Lane. They snow. All these people dressed up giving out candy. I can't imagine how much it costs the, whoever donates or taxpayers pay for it, but they do a production every night and they're very, very careful not to say Christmas. They say, every, you know, obviously they're trained to say happy holidays, happy holidays. And then as soon as the parade starts, they start playing obviously Christmas music and every Christmas song says Christmas instantly. <laughs> They immediately start like, well, obviously on the other side of that debate is hilarious because it's obvious. You can say happy holidays all you want. It's obviously Christmas. It's just the, every song is about Christmas and says the word Christmas, even if it's not a religious song. So you're not going to get rid of that. You're not going right. to get rid of Irving Berlin's white Christmas. I mean, what are you going to do? Change the lyric to that? It's not a particularly a religious song, but it's a Christmas song because it's obviously Christmas. So, so who cares? And they just picked uh, Christmas Day. Most people think that uh, scholars think that Jesus was born like in July, but we just picked it because what is it? The 
the moon is the highest or something solstice like that. It used to be like something. Who knows? Some, yes, yeah, so winter solstice, yeah. pagan ritual and stuff. So Christians kind of tried to abduct that and change it so those damn pagans wouldn't get theirs and we got ours. So, I mean, everything that you see isn't really that way. So just take a breather. Just <laughs> breathe. It just blows my mind. Like, And I hate that I'm that way, too. I can read something on Facebook and go, uh-uh, not today, mister. But I'm just so stupid. I'm just so dumb if I respond. That's why I'm so happy when I don't. <laughs> How like, many times if have I ever... you composed the comment or tweet? Oh, went, my yeah, God. It's not worth it. Dude, this. 10 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. It. Like <laughs> yet, Yesterday while I was sick, laying on the couch, I did probably at least five really long, multi-paragraph responses <laughs> to people, and then I would just delete it. Well, that's as good I idea. Just, I, yeah. That's like yeah. having a thought and uh, then not yeah. saying it, right? I mean, you, you get just, it out. You get it out. You're like, ah, eh, they don't need to hear it. Who cares? Yeah. They don't care. What I does actually, this person in Idaho care or who, where, wherever they live in the world? Yeah, I actually broke a rule, and I, I probably should have done this from my personal Twitter, but from Bad Christian on Thanksgiving, I said something about, you know, enjoy your families while you eat and eat and eat and eat. And don't, you know, as you as you eat and enjoy each other's company, please remember the dangers and evils of uh, LGBTQ or something like that. <laughs> and there was one or two people that said, and I really think that some people will have a hard time seeing that you're joking. Yes. And of there's a lot of people that said, no, it's totally joking. But I just went ahead and erased it. <laughs> I just didn't think it was worth it. <laughs> it's like the other tweet you did when you made fun of Disney. Or something, and then Michael Jackson's daughter thought you were serious. Daughter and replied to it. <laughs> Paris Jackson. <laughs> that is hey, hilarious. You Michael Jackson's daughter, one of your all-time favorite singers, performers in the world, quoted it was like a tweet of Joey's uh, as not, bigotry. Not right? this when it was obvious joke. Right. <laughs> right. And, and then and then when I responded to her, she just deleted her comment. She's just like, I'm not getting in this. <laughs> hey, y'all get a kick out of this. So um Pastor Greg who's the pastor of Seacoast, is coming on the podcast next month. And uh, I was at a, at a very small dinner party with him. Uh, no big deal. He's just a really big, big-time guy. Everybody knows him. And yep. I, yeah, just you, Pastor Greg, so, Trump. <laughs> but anyway, I, he actually told, he, he kind of reasoned with me, and he said, yeah, there, he said, there's a, you know, there's a, it's pretty often when people come up to me and say, why... No, or no, no, no. They ask him, have you heard of the Bad Christian Podcast? He's like, <laughs> yes, I've heard of it. And they're just like, how do you let one of your pastors get on there and say things that he says? Like, how do you let this happen? Like, he's a campus pastor. And listen how badass Pastor Greg is. He looks at him and says... Well, at Seacoast, we're really, really hard up for campus pastors. That's all he's. That's, <laughs> that's how all he you got to do. Like. Yeah, I love that. It's right. just so amazing. I mean, that you can just. Uh, first of all, it's amazing you can do what you do for your in your own head that you can handle both things, yeah. Joey. And unbelievable that Seacoast can allow that. And if you just don't take it that seriously, it's okay. It's totally right. fine. But let me tell you about something that is serious, and that is the bed sheets that you sleep on. You know Ooh. why? Because you spend a third of your life in the thing. So let me tell you the ones that you should be sleeping on. And that's Brooklinen, of course. We've been talking about these guys for a while. And now it's just in time for the holiday gifting season. And yes, 
you're going to hear a lot of sponsors and things talking about the gift season. But let me tell you, all these podcast sponsor spots, that's such a good way to get gifts. You can do it while you're listening to the podcast on your mobile device. Get your shopping done while you're being entertained by me and Toby and Joey. What could be better? Buying great sheets is an easy way to upgrade your nightly routine. The sheets can make or break a good night's sleep, help you feel better and well-rested every day. Even though Quality sheets make for quality sleep. Most high-end bedding is marked up more than 300% by the time it reaches the store. But Brooklyn makes quality luxury sheets and bedding accessible to everyone. And again, it's a great gift. This, yeah, I think these sheets are terrific and you will like them. They've got versatile color patterns. You can mix and match. You can complement any decor. Uh, This stuff is luxury bedding. It is underpriced and you got to try these sheets today. I love my Brooklinen sheets. Try these sheets and you'll know why I love them. Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. You can get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at Brooklinen.com. In fact, Brooklinen is so confident that you'll love your new sheets that they offer a 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on their sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give these sheets a try for yourself or as a holiday holiday gift this season. So give the gift of luxury sheets. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BADCHRISTIAN. All right, we got a guest coming on in a few minutes, but before that, we got to talk about the most important thing in the world. The most important thing of 2018. At least, maybe of the decade or the new millennium, and that is... We're here to announce Bad Christian Con 2018. We have our own conference. It's going to be, it's so exciting. So here's the official announcement. You can go to badchristiancon.com and see what it is. But we don't have all of the stuff worked out. We've been working crazy. We had this idea just a few weeks ago and been going like mad on artwork, guest, speaker, schedule, (laughs) venue, website. Hey, hey, real, real quick, real quick. I don't want you to skirt by that. We are having a conference that we, and we're having it in January. We started planning it a couple weeks ago. That's right. (laughs) We were going to have a Christmas party, which we were late on planning. And then we said, well, why don't we just do it in January? Well, why don't we do it in Nashville? Why don't we turn it into a conference? Okay, done. So last year we had a Christmas party in Seattle and had like 100 people come. It was this $50 uh, semi-formal party. We had drinks. We had... uh, Food and drinks, alcohol, all that stuff there, and it was 50 bucks, and we had like 100 people come, and it was awesome, and that's all the way out in Seattle. We had people fly in and some regional people drive, so we figured, why not make it way, way more than that this year? So we're going to still have a semi-formal winter ball on Sunday night. Uh, I'm telling you in reverse how this conference works, but Sunday night... January 28th in Nashville, we're going to have a semi-formal winter ball, like last year, and It'll have drinks and food and stuff like that. In addition to that, that whole day, the whole day before, and even a pre-party on Friday night, we're going to have a giant event here. It's Bad Christian Con 2018. So we're going to have speakers, panels, the winter ball, uh, 
a concert. So I'll, I'll just make right yeah. with the details. Here's what I know so far. Jonathan Merritt is coming and Peter Enns is coming. Peter Enns is probably the featured speaker at the moment, the main one. But I think we're going to lock down another one or two featured speakers still. Yeah. But I can't announce them yet because still negotiating and trying to figure out travel, stuff like that. So I've got several more main speakers and a ton of other fun speakers and people like that. I think Dan Koch and Matt McDonald and you know, tons of other people in the bad Christian world are going to come. As many people as we can afford to fly and pay, get their accommodations, we're going to do. So more people buy tickets. Great. Here's the crazy thing. There's only 200 tickets available. So I do think it's going to sell out and sell out fast. And maybe I didn't say it's 100 bucks, So it costs $50 more than that party. But this is going to be a big deal. We're going to do workshops on podcasting, music business. Reva will be there. I think Bridget will be there. I don't know if she'll get on stage. I'm going to try and get her to to participate, but I don't think she will. But you can meet Bridget or who I don't know. There's going to be plenty of people to meet and hang out with. You can take you know. pictures with Bridget. Yeah, that's going to be. We'll have a right. <laughs> We're yeah. gonna do so. We're gonna have some uh, stuff there. We're gonna do some stuff with the women of Mars Hill and get into that. There's tons of topics we're gonna do on panels. Also, since we're flying by the seat of our pants, I would love your suggestions on other speakers, panelists, and topic panels that we could do because we get to design it. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna have alcohol. Um, we got a great venue in Nashville. Um, it's gonna be oh, in well, fact, Matt, on Friday. Uh, let me tell you one more thing. It's gonna be fun on Friday night before the conference starts as a pre-party. We got a bar in Nashville that does that. Aaron Lunsford's gonna host and uh, Micah Dean, and we're gonna do a stand-up comedy show. So probably the three of us will get up and do, improvise a little set. And if somebody oh, else God. wants to get up there and sign up and do five minutes, we can do it. There'll be a few comics in Nashville. And we're going to do that at a bar on Friday night before Ooh, the conference that, That'll starts. be really cool. So even people that want to maybe sign up for five minutes, yeah. Candace, are coming right. to the con, yep. coming to That's our right. conference. Wow. So, you yeah, know, I'll cool. do that, man. This, I'm, a gr- I'm a great comedian. Well, you're going to get your chance, my friend. Oh, I, mean, I forgot. <laughs> hey, if, hey, if anybody's I, not on the website, last thing I'll say, and then I'll let y'all talk about it or ask me about it. But Saturday night, everybody at the conference gets to come to what is going to be an unbelievable concert. Now, here's the yeah, bill. Seriously. King's Kaleidoscope, As Cities Burn, and Emory concert. Good God. So that's like a once-in-a-lifetime lineup. It's going to be, I mean, that's, that's, that's your crazy. $100 right there. Right. Good God. I'd pay $100 for that. So you got the stand, I mean, so those are the three nights. So there's a stand-up comedy. These are just the parties at night. It's the stand-up comedy one, the concert with King's Kaleidoscope, As Cities Burn, and Emory, so, which those guys are also going to be there for the panels and discussions and stuff during the day, too, so you get to hang out and meet them. And, and then more to be announced. And then the Winter Ball. And, yeah, we have more musical acts to announce, a couple more, mm-hmm. and then definitely more speakers. And we're open tomorrow. I can, you know... I can just make some calls, people. Tell me who to hit up. I'll go get us some more speakers. Anybody you want. And if we sell all these tickets, we'll have some more money. And I'm telling you this, we're going to spend all the money that we can get to make this thing go good. That's the whole point of it. If it goes good, we'll do another one. We'll do another one next year. But y'all buy the tickets, and I'll go spend the money on speakers, talents, venue, drinks, cocktails, bands. It's going to be a huge party. You don't want to miss it. There's only 200 tickets, so you got to get them quick. Yeah, we have we have an exclusive um, interview uh, with Matt Lauer too. <laughs> God, there, <laughs> there was the tasteless joke I've been waiting on since the top of the episode. Yeah, hey, Ch- hey, hey, I do want people to know this too, and and only for those who are really interested, it'll probably be a maximum of twelve people. But if you pay to come to this, I'm going to be doing like a little workshop that will be with the intention of starting house churches uh, in other parts of the country. So if if you're 
coming and you live in another part of the country and you're thinking, man, that would be cool. Uh, we're going to we're gonna use this conference also as kind of a, a launching pad for that. So reach out to me if that's something that's interesting. But I, yep. I'm, I'm going to be there. I don't know. It might, might be 12 people too, maybe 15 people, but I'm going to be at the bar drinking. <laughs> and I want you to stop by the bar, There's a say hello, on clink, clink my drink, clink the drink with me and move on. So I think that'd be really good. Madchristiancon.com. Go there. Like Matt said, limited tickets. This is going to be awesome. I, I could not be more more impressed by our lineup what's to come what's still tba it's going to be unbelievable What'd get you your say, tickets Reva? now get your hotels whatever we're trying to book some hotels for us as well but don't miss this reva christiancon.com reva's live we're it live the on the internet right now we special. haven't even published the episode reva said we're already selling tickets so good lord you better get on it fast people it may, it may be sold out before the episode's over so good stuff let's just go ahead and make this a telethon Reva, tell people we're going to be on the air for 24 we're, hours. We're staying live from now till the conference. <laughs> <laughs> until every ticket is sold. <laughs> Do I have to sing like yeah. Frank Sinatra yes. or something? <laughs> I did it my way. Two more tickets sold. Oh! <laughs> Joey, start going into Matt, your I- comedy. Joey, do your comedy. <laughs> we got to sell tickets. Man, the other day my wife comes in. (laughs) I would have kept going. It would not have been good, but I would have kept going. I know you. You have no shame. This, this is, this is really neat. I do think it's the beginning. uh, It's kind of a new beginning of something special because I do think Bad Christian is supposed to be mobile in some way, shape, or form. And the Lord told you that. Yeah, 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 definitely. The Lord has told me a couple of things in my life. One was that the Green Bay Packers was going to win the Super Bowl, and that came true. Two, don't ever sit up straight. (laughs) Make sure not to sit up straight. (laughs) You know how the Lord (laughs) feels. And this podcast needs to be mobile. He he spoke clearly to me about that, too. (laughs) When Joey was in his mother's womb, she walked by a man that was lounging at a mall. and prophesied over the womb. He kicked in the womb. <laughs> okay, looks like we've got hey, our, our guests here. So let us uh, let us t- Toby take a second and tell them about yeah. movement, and then we'll talk to Jake here. I sure will. MVMT watches, which is pronounced movement, was founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. The watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high quality minimalist products at revolutionary prices with over 1 million watches sold to customers in 160 plus countries around the world. Movement watches has solidified itself as the world's fastest growing watch company. And here's why we like it. This company was started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish stylish watches but couldn't afford them. So they started their own watch company. And that's kind of like us. I, I really resonate with this company. I really like movement. I love my movement watch. Got one for my wife. We all have them. Reva has one. These are great watches. And one of the best things about them is they are affordable. I, I, I was really surprised because I was always intimidated to buy a watch because they're really expensive. If I was going to, or was I going to buy one at like, you know, uh, some store or uh, I didn't know what to look for or anything. Movement watches are so well made and so good that I'm really really excited to wear them movement watches start at just 95 dollars at a department store you're looking at 400 to 500 bucks 
Movement figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price. At such great prices, Movement watches make wonderful holiday gifts, too. That is the best thing, and that's what I'm, what I think you folks listening right now should do. Get a Movement watch for a Christmas present or for yourself for Christmas. It's so good. Over 1 million watches sold in over 160 countries. So get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash bcpod. This watch has a really clean design that makes great makes a great fashion statement. Now is the time to step up your watch game. Go to movement.com slash bcpod. That's mvmt.com slash bcpod. All right. Jake, can you hear us? I can. Very good. Can, and you can see us too. We don't have your video. Do you have a, can you unmute your video so we can see you? Oh, yes. All right. I have an older computer. That's so okay. Looks great. Video slows me down. Well, thank <laughs> you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having What's me up, on, man. Hey. All right. So let me introduce. Well, I'll just put it this way. Jake wrote an article that we found uh, that our people sent to us, and it was really interesting. Right up the alley of stuff we talk about all the time, except for he has a really good name for a phenomenon that we talk a lot about. Jake wrote an article about what he calls zombie pastors. Jake, did you come up with that term or did you find that somewhere? No. Well, I can't say if somebody else has used it, but I came up with it. All right. So what is a zombie <laughs> pastor? Um, what I meant by it is just these kind of celebrity pastors who will rise to prominence for one reason or another. And they're really well known. They have lots of books, big media brands, probably have a podcast or something. And then something happens that causes them to have to leave ministry. Um, so the article is mostly about Driscoll, but I also mentioned Tullian Savigian in there and Darren Patrick. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that basically being a pastor in that kind of context almost becomes just being a media personality. And if you're a media personality hit by scandal, all you need to do is wait a year or two and you can come back bigger, better than ever, and resume as if nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And so that's mostly what the piece was about, is how do these people keep coming back? Mm -hmm. And so the thing that's weird about that is it's just, it, maybe it's just this, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while, but we're like at the apex of where Christianity has just become so, so commercialized and monetized and optimized as a capitalistic business that there is just there's just no difference. I mean, we this is the you know, this is just PR mm -hmm. at its core yeah. where you know, like you you have an accusation, you 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 hunker down and don't comment on it and hope some other scandal covers yours up and then it goes away. You know, it, it's right. all, you know, even that the kind of stuff that you see for a Kardashian mm -hmm. may, may apply here. Yeah. And the disembodiment of the the pastor or the media personality, it, you know, has just become this disembodied brand or person that's not a real person anymore you know like andrew dice clay yeah. is not a real person he's a character and, and so is so <laughs> right. is the big media personality pastor right no there's a joke i heard one time about a pastor who was caught in an affair turned out he'd had multiple affairs and the guy it was just a joke this is not a real person although it, you can imagine it happening um, the guy describing it joked that, well, it's worked out all right for him because now he has a new book deal for a book on walking with God through divorce. Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's that's a joke, but that, I mean, there's, I mean, there's real people you can point to that have similar, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, similar yeah. arcs to you that know, for sure. 
to Toby Toby's brought up a good point many times on this and I think something that that is concerning for us with with this whole phenomenon which I do think that it is cuz it's like good gosh I mean it just bounced right on back is a lack of realization on the church's part to realize that's the daggum thing that got them in trouble in the first place like being in the spotlight having that sort of leadership, having that sort of responsibility and people needing you, and and that's what caused it in the first place. And us as Christians, we think it's very loving and and gracious to say, no, I mean, they're just human beings They that we need to get them ba- back on stage? Are you kidding me? I mean, and that's the thing that puzzles, well, makes me feel bad for Perry Noble because the three of us really like that guy. He's been on this podcast but it just looks horrible when he hasn't stepped away from the internet. It doesn't seem like a whole month. Like mm-hmm. ever since all this stuff went down, it doesn't seem like he had a leave of absence of any sort. Right. Which is just very much so a problem. So what what are you, uh, I, I think I uh, uh, am a little lost as far as what are you, are you trying to just basically shed light on this and, and educate people? Are you, yeah, so the the move in the piece I published is kind of a, a two-step yeah. thing. So what will happen a lot of the time, um, it happened because the impetus for writing the piece was that Pathos Evangelical, popular religion blogging platform, um, gave Mark Driscoll a blog mm-hmm. on their evangelical channel. And so there was this Twitter uproar as these things happen on Twitter. And one of the lines I saw a lot of people taking was, well, this is just an example of how we need better institutional accountability to keep these things from happening. And if we had more structure and more organization and more supervision, Mm -hmm. these things wouldn't happen. And what I want to say to that is, that's true to some extent. I grew up in a non-denominational Bible church and saw no lack of horrifying things happen. And the guys doing those things get protected time after time after time because there was no outside accountability. Um, But the thing that's jarring in the case of like Driscoll and Sufijan and Darren Patrick, the three guys I talked about, is that in all three of those cases, the church institutions actually did their job. Um, Now, you can say it took Uh Acts 29 longer than it should have to get rid of Driscoll. It took Morris Hill longer than it should have to get rid of him, but they got rid of him. Um, Well, I mean, that's even a nuanced thing when you say get rid of him. It was like you said, uh, let me see if I can paint that clearly for people. I I find it shocking. I'm not that everybody should know all the details of everything. There's plenty of stories to keep up with. But in this one, people commonly don't understand what happened. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but Toby was at Mars Hill for a long time. And yeah, I was, I was a there. worship leader there, yeah. and, Mark, oh. and Matt went there. And I was there okay, at, I during the time of that scandal and left amid the scandal. Yeah. I just couldn't take it anymore. But yeah. Toby and I both know Mark a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I've talked to Chavijan and uh, Perry Noble's been on the show. Yeah, so, you know. I actually know Darren Patrick really well, <laughs> which I think I, I, I want to offer a little bit of insight on that. But, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, we'll get back to that. So, with the Mark situation, in, in case people don't understand it, um, you're, there's this problem in general where these untethered, non-institutional, no accountability things happen where mm-hmm. churches will protect leaders that are in bad stuff because they're worried it's, you know, right. their whole thing's wrapped up in it. That's understandable. But in the case of Mars Hill, it wasn't that we just got rid of Mark. It was we or they or collectively the, the church and the board and the pastors and the people that had been run out and all everything – were seeking reconciliation with him. 
tons and tons of people that I know personally really well, very close to Mark, trying mm-hmm. very hard to get in touch with him to seek reconciliation, to get it figured out, to uh, apologize to him for what they'd done wrong and and seek that back and you know, mm-hmm. reconcile and move on and restore him and keep him. That was what Marcel was trying to do until at some point Mark was unwilling to repent or recognize or submit to anything at all. It's just not in his character, I, I don't think. And so uh, w- then he heard from God that he was released from Marcel and left. Once <laughs> once we got to the point of saying, please right. stay, this is how we want you to stay. This is what we think restoration should look like. Right, right. That's when he heard from God that he should leave. It, right. Although he'd preached for years, he would never leave no matter what. He would uh, die, Marcel. The, the church I grew up in had to let their a pastor go, the senior pastor's son, because um, he was caught in an affair. And then it was amazing how God provided a great sales job right after that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God moved yeah. in, in the storm, right? One of the things you say, Jake, in, in the article, and, and it's from mereorthodoxy.com, too. Are, are you a regular contributor there? Is that your, your I'm site? I'm editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief. So mereorthodoxy.com. But you did say uh, the, the, the safety measures, uh, a lot of people think the safety measures failed, but they actually worked just fine. The problem wasn't the safety measures. Those did their job. The problem isn't the lack of struggle in evangelicalism it's the evangelicals themselves is it like a is it almost like an addiction or something that once you have a pastor and he's up there uh, up you know the kind of rock star whatever that you just can't let him go that you think well we can you know it's like having a bad girlfriend or a bad boyfriend i can fix them like is is it like a bad relationship what what makes evangelicals go let's give this guy a second third fourth chance or let's help him out with a job or whatever it might be I think evangelicals generally, and I mean, it's hard, it's such a huge and amorphous kind of blob that it's hard to speak in general. But I think a lot of evangelicals are deeply pragmatic. And so we, as the last 18 months have shown, are extremely pragmatic about achieving our goals. And we can convince ourselves just to do just about anything, it would seem, if it advances some kind of greater good. I mean, we're now dealing with a majority of Alabama evangelicals who have seemingly convinced themselves that they can justify voting for Roy Moore in order to achieve some kind of legislative agenda. Yeah, one more anti-abortion vote is worth that. Yeah, Right. right, right. And so I think it's just this really deep-seated pragmatism. Um, I'm reminded – I. I spent time at Labrie as a when I was younger. Um, it's a ministry started by a Presbyterian pastor named Francis Schaefer, and Schaefer was fond of saying, and I think he took it from Hudson Taylor because his wife was connected to Taylor's ministry. Um, the Lord's work must be done in the Lord's way, and so you can't just talk about the church's objectives like their business goals, where this is our end and the means of getting there is negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, the the work of the Christian life and of the church isn't just in our goals, in the outcomes, it's in the method. And I think that's one of the things that's been lost in a lot of American evangelicalism due to this pragmatic streak that we have. Yeah. One of the things I always think about, too, is that like it, it's almost as Christians, as evangelicals, we go, oh man, God raised up this man and look at all the people coming. Look, I mean, we started in a house and now we're 20,000. So wait a minute, does that mean God's wrong? Does that mean God's weak? Wait, this guy, no, the enemy 
the enemy was after him because God was using him so much. So we yeah. got to we got to cut him some slack, or or we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's not like those liberals who want to kill babies and stuff. <laughs> he just you know he accidentally had sex with a few women. That was an accident. <laughs> he, like I heard somebody say, Roy, that Roy guy from Alabama, man's man. I was like, what in the? <laughs> how can you? How can you like worship Jesus and say stuff like that? And One of the same publications running interference for more right now after Hugh Hefner died, eulogized him for upholding gender norms. So it's like it's weird. Right. Yeah, we've sacrificed He's, a lot here for. I yeah. mean, maybe you're. I don't. I, I think of pragmatic typically as a, 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 an attribute. I love to think that I'm pragmatic or utilitarian in many ways, but that's an absurd extension of that when you go so far Mm -hmm. that you for some stated goal you have the other stuff doesn't matter that's a a diseased form of pragmatism for sure and that's what they were saying about the roy moore thing i thought was funny is he launched a thing recently saying this now saying is the gays and lesbians and these immoral people that are making up these accusations but the 14 year old women i I saw somebody else say all this is alleged i guess i don't have the details but the one the his accusers are like white trump supporting women I mean, right. you know right. what I mean? That, Almost that, all of them. Yeah, are. it's not like it's not some other group involved here. That is, that's just running interference, like you said. So no, but Matt, the gay people have tons of money and are paying those. Oh, the gay agenda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gays are super hey. rich and they're paying for yeah. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but they said that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It sounds absurd when you say it, right? You can't help but laugh because it's so absurd. Yep. Except for Christians are applauding it yeah saying yeah you're on our team buddy that's just so awful let me ask you something pardon the interruption sorry about this but at the end you're gonna say you shouldn't be sorry because i needed to hear that let me ask you a question what do you get when you take a person that works in customer service and oh yeah by the way he loves or she loves her customer service job you get Great service. And that's something that Lyft knows very well. I'm going to tell you about Lyft here in a second. It's a uh, ride sharing app. And Lyft knows that their drivers are the best when they are happy. And when they're happy, they do a good job. And when they do a good job, that's what keeps Lyft going. And that's what keeps them a flourishing company. So it's a simple formula. Happy drivers mean happy passengers. Maybe that's why nine out of the 10 Lyft rides get a perfect five-star rating. And if you drive for Lyft, you can earn hundreds of dollars a week plus tips. If you want to earn more, drive more. It's never been easier to give yourself a raise and just work around your own schedule. Lyft was the first rideshare platform with tipping built right into the app, by the way. And getting tips shouldn't depend on your pastor having uh, your passenger having a crumpled bill in their pocket. No way, man. We're in 2017. It's got to be built into the app. Thank you, Lyft, for doing that. You keep 100% of the tips, and they add up fast. Drivers have been paid over $200 million since the feature was first introduced. Express Pay lets you get paid almost instantly instead of waiting for weeks, and Lyft has even taken the guesswork out of the pickups. The new AMP device uses color coding to help passengers find their drivers. So, Join the ride-sharing company that believes in treating its people better. I mean, this is a no-brainer if you need a part-time job and you've got a car. Go to lyft.com slash badchristian today, and you can get a $500 new driver bonus. That's lyft.com slash badchristian. lyft.com slash badchristian. Limited time only. 
terms apply. There's no defensiveness out of this. In fact, I don't feel inclined to defend any any pastor's decision to get someone back in ministry if they do it the right way, the wrong way. I just, for me, I think you could make a strong case for any pastor to say, nope, they don't need to be back. End of story. With that being said, I do want to speak a little bit about uh, Darren Patrick, and we'll actually be able to ask uh, Greg Surratt uh, some questions in a couple of weeks about this. But so Darren Patrick ends up at Seacoast, and uh, Greg Joe, Surratt. Joey found- is a pastor at Seacoast. Right. And Greg Surratt is the uh, Greg Surratt's the founding pastor over there. And I know for a fact that Darren Patrick uh, got completely out of the limelight, kept his mouth shut for a very long time and uh, basically submitted to a very grueling, brutal process um, under someone else's, basically Greg Surratt, under his supervision. And basically it was very difficult. Uh, a, a very challenging thing that he went through. Now, he had a pastor who got into similar trouble, um, and, which there's many of them, that that basically encouraged him not to do that. And so he said, no, I've got to go through this process. So I do put him in somewhat of a different category than and I, I, you know, I'll speak on Perry Noble because he puts all of his stuff out there. Everybody knows about it. I mean, Perry Noble's not doing that. He's not saying, okay, well, I need to follow someone else's lead. I need to take orders from someone else at, at this point. He's just saying, I'm going to start a new church. I, I, you know, I don't need to be gone. I'm just bouncing right back. I mean, do you see some pastors that have to get out and you know get away for a while? Do you see any of them doing it the right way, or would you just say they just need to go away for good? Yeah, is it one and done? If you're, if you're a failed pastor that has to be removed for— I think it probably— is really difficult to make a kind of any kind of unilateral Mm -hmm. statement on that just because it varies so much. Um, I do think one of the factors here that needs to be talked about, especially in churches that put more of an emphasis on pastoral training before they um, hire pastors is that a lot of pastors, they do their undergrad and the undergrad might be in some kind of humanities field and then from their undergrad, they go in straight into seminary and they get their MDiv. And by now they've got five figure loan debt. And then six, eight years into their ministry, they do something and they have to be removed from ministry. Um, because of the way our the economic incentives have worked here and because of the decisions they've made about job training, um, it's really hard to find now, I mean, in cases like the church I grew up in, it's kind of farcical and some rich dude in the church just gives the guy a six figure sales job. But I know of other pastors who lost their job and they didn't have a good fallback option. Um, so that complicates all of this, right? Because uh, is there any way that would to... be different to think through an analogy since it's all business? It sounds like let's, let's mm-hmm. compare that to a doctor does a shitload of training, spends mm-hmm. a ton of money and has mm-hmm. malpractice six years. Yeah, yeah. What's the difference? Any? Hmm. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, do we and want not, that doctor not... come back or, I mean, yeah, I get right. it. Like no, you got, you still have I'm... medical school debt, but you, you bought some right. few plastic surgeries cause you were drunk. I, I don't know what to tell <laughs> right. you. Right. Right. And yeah, and I'm not saying that to say, therefore, bring the guy who is not repentant and is clearly not qualified, uh, bring him back because you feel bad for him and he needs a job. Like, that's not my point. My point here is just that 
because of the way job training works for a lot of pastors, it makes this really complicated. Um, because I mean, even in take a different kind of field, if somebody gets fired from a job, um, they can probably find another similar job unless it's something extremely egregious um, that's not going to penalize them in this. So it's just a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jake, what's interesting about that, though, is let's even keep it in the church. So let's take a maintenance man that basically keeps the church clean, sets up for different events, and let's say he uh, corners a high schooler and takes his pants off and and you know does some sort of a sexual abuse thing. That guy is gone. Like he is absolutely gone and there's not good. I mean, now I could see a church being loving and saying, Hey, we're here for you. You know, we'll even give you two months pay, but they are not going to work that guy back in, in the maintenance plan. And probably sexual abuse is a bad example because probably right. right. That would be legally actionable. Yeah. But, but let's say he cheated with the pastor's wife or cheated with, you know, just a, a a woman at the church. He's gone. That's it. And so what I do think this goes back to is, is what, what Toby's been saying all on Toby, this is like the the episode where I, I just say Toby is just on Thank you. fire, man. God Finally. Thank uh, God. But but this this is where this is where it comes to we pretty much say that guy is needed. The Lord has their hand on him, and so it's our responsibility to figure out how to get them back. God's on not their done platform. with him yet. That's the big line. Exactly. And that's just so unhealthy. It's almost verbatim what one yeah. guy was saying about Tullian. Yeah. 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 I always say it about a lot of them. Really? I mean, that's that's the idea. But yeah. the zombie pastor concept, the I, I, more I think about that, I like it because think about it a second. If you just literally think about zombies, they are animated characters of their former selves. They're not even, you know, the, once mm-hmm. you become the platform, I mean, there's so, it's, you're not literally dead, but I mean, you're a shell of a person that has all this animated momentum and energy and motivations still. And so you're built mm-hmm. to have those motivations, eat brains, you know, preach to people, get in front of people, grow the Twitter, continue the stuff. And it's, you know, that's what it's like. I mean, you just, you, you, you rove around and find another congregation to get in front of, to do the thing more. And that's what it, that's really what it, what it feels like. And it's a weird, you know, outcome because they're bigger than the church. I mean, Mark Driscoll's bigger than Mars Hill. He is. He's yep. bigger than yeah. that. He is, and it's a weird thing, it's, and it happens in regular culture. And it's not bad. It's just an outcome of where we're at. Or if it is bad, it's like you said, the evangelicals or the consumers' fault. For instance, and this nothing bad about these guys, but the band Under Oath, for instance, I was talking to them one time, and they were like, yeah, we realized at some point that Spencer and Gillespie's Twitter and Instagram are just bigger and better than Under Oath. How, like, <laughs> that's just, they're the fame. I mean, they're famous. Like they can tweet about the concert from their personal Instagram and it's worth more than the band's Facebook page. You know, it's just, yeah. that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, do, they are. do you think with, uh, with, with this sort of thing that we're talking about, Jake, does this stuff make you angry or do you feel like you need to come to the defense of people that are taken advantage of? Like what really gets you stirred and, and motivated with, with all of this and speaking about it? That's a good question. That's a hard question. Um, 
Because some people could say, oh, just leave these people alone. My gosh, like, what are you doing? Uh, you're with the body of Christ. We're supposed to be an encouragement to each other. And I'm certainly not putting you on the hot seat. I agree with what you're doing. But at the end of the day, you know, if someone said, why, why are you doing this? Why, why are you trying you to tear these people down? Yeah. Um, so, okay, that, that's helpful. I think part of the thing is, so like thinking about Driscoll, I have no clue how many people are in his church. And I have no clue what kind of money he's being given by his donors to do this church. But I do know that given his history, there's a good chance that there are a lot of people in his church who are going to be hurt by him again. Um, I also know that there's no shortage of Christian ministries and churches that could use the funds that are being used to fund this man's quote unquote ministry. Um, I also know Again, this is just drawing on my own experience. So the church I grew up in was one of the largest churches here in Lincoln in the late 70s. Um, It was pushing 2,500, which Lincoln was like 180,000 back then. Um, So it was a big church for the area for that day. And now it's sitting at about 500. And almost everyone I grew up with in youth ministry there has left the church and are statistically speaking more likely to not be Christian at all than to mm-hmm. be Christian. And so when I look at this, I'm not just seeing some kind of guy I want to like beat up on on the internet. Um, I'm thinking of the people I still get emails from. I've been gone from this church for 12 years. I have an email in my inbox from a guy I knew from when I was there who is still trying to make sense of what he believes coming out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the wounds that these kind of leaders can inflict on people run very, very deep. Um, even if it's not like a sexual abuse kind of thing, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of being a bully and using your power to coerce people. Um, even that runs pretty deep. I would suggest that um, failed churches themselves are just devastating for any reason. And and oh, yeah. especially the larger they are, because there's this effect, having been at Mars Hill, that I observe, which is regardless of the cause or any of that stuff, that the if you want to be pragmatic, the outcome of this is Mars Hill siphoned off many, 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 even thousands of people from small community and regional churches because they had, you know, they, it seemed like Mars Hill had something better to offer, better music, better preaching, better this, better coffee, better everything. And so there's people that were like a little frustrated with small things at their church. Maybe they, you know, and so like, oh, you know what? I'm ready to go up to the, you know, I'm going to drive to Mars. I'm going to be this. I'm going to the big thing. So they siphon people out of other small communities to this other church that may have had legitimate frustrations with their smaller churches. Think it. And this is maybe their last stop. Like, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to plug in here. This has got to be good enough, you know, and then it collapses. And from my experience, I don't know, man, 30 to 50% of the people I know that came out of smaller churches to Mars Hill, then it collapsed. They never, they're not, they're not going back to anywhere. They're just like, they're lost too. Not, you know, they're Mm -hmm. wanderers now. They just don't, what am I, I don't know what to do. And that, that includes me. That, that's me actually. So that I feel the same way. Do you guys... Do you? Uh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, Jake? No, no. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Do you guys think that? And, and I, I'm not trying to make a point here. Like I really am curious what y'all think. Do y'all think that the church can learn anything from 
NBC, for instance. I don't think Matt Lauer right now is going to be put on this uh, brutal process of getting him better, getting him back on his feet so that he can return to the show. I mean, In I don't year. think that's how they do things, right? He's <laughs> He's gone. Yeah. He's he's not going to be on the Today Show anymore. I mean, is that something that the church should pay attention to and at least consider? Or is ministry a different animal? No, I think it's something to look at for sure. Um, I'm sure there are guys who are who need to be defrocked for being removed from ministry for one reason or another who might be able to come back long-term. Off the top of my head the people that I have personally known that have needed to be removed from ministry, which is a regrettably high number. Um, I can't think of any that I would say even now. And some of them, it's again, it's been 10 years. I still would not be comfortable with them coming back into ministry just because of the damage that they can do in that position. Um, I also think, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about in the aftermath of the post, um, we it's easy to like go to a driscoll and talk about how bad this all is we can also there's positive examples here we can look at um i've got theological differences with francis chan but i think chan is a really remarkable figure in all of this he was pastoring a mega church in i think northern california Simi valley area or is that la area yeah that's southern I don't california, california. Yeah. okay um and it got to where he felt like it was so big, they weren't able to be church to each other anymore. And he was worried about what the effect of that kind of limelight was going to be on his soul, just as an individual Christian. Mm-hmm. And so he stepped away. And I remember at the time, a lot of people thinking it was crazy. Uh, that including I, I Mark looked- Driscoll. There is a video of Driscoll and somebody else and Francis Chan sitting around at a table at really? a conference and and Francis Chan huh. is say, it's crazy you should look this up because it's exactly what you're talking about and you'll see Driscoll telling Francis Chan you're making a big mistake I don't agree with you you're crazy you're 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 not doing oh, the, the right white thing elephant here. yeah the elephant it's called the elephant or something? something or other yeah. that's yeah. right elephant and he's just okay. sitting there going yeah. uh, like like he they're keeping it cordial but you can mm-hmm. tell Driscoll's like irritated and thinks he's making a wrong bad mm-hmm. decision it's 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 like you know, it's kind of crazy looking back on that now. Which, which, which honestly, I, I, I've heard interesting perspectives, and and I agree with Jake that I think Francis Chan is remarkable and made the right decision. But I can also understand how some pastors with sincere pastoral hearts are just like he just left all those people. They're not thinking, oh, he's actually moving away from this big church machine that is you know, not good with resources or, or whatever. They're thinking he left, he left these people, you know? So I get that. I get that. Well, Jake, this has been awesome, man. How, where can people go and, and read this article? Cause I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that want to go that way and, and read everything, but where, where can people find you? So I'm on Twitter. Um, my handle's just Jake underscore meter M E A D O R. Um, the original article on Zombie Pastors is just mereorthodoxy.com slash zombie hyphen pastors. Yeah. So. Well, this is good. This is the kind of stuff that needs to be talked about, man. And it's, it's good that there's a, there's voices all over that are paying attention and, and giving perspective that I think people need to hear. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. This was fun. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, Jake. Yeah. No problem. You have a good one. 
I have this video. It's long, but I'm going to check it There's out real somebody quick. Somebody, this is Chan and Driscoll. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, you got a good church going on, and you hit the eject button, and now you're this is a good topic, the international man of Fu Manchu mystery. Yeah. <laughs> and what is going on? What are you, what, what are you thinking? And what's going to happen to your church? And yeah. I think that the church itself. Yeah. The Singing Valley is going to be fine. I mean, the, these leaders are... Who's going to preach? Who's going to do... My executive pastor. Is it good? And, uh, Can he he's find good. Them? He's good. And uh, we, we've really tried to focus more on the pastoring for the last right. couple of years and getting people focused on the pastoral. Right. I mean, but, but I'm not going to deny there's, there's a sense in which people want to go and hear the yeah. guy or, you know, someone they see as very gifted in teaching. I won't run um, this whole thing, but, but or if we wanted to put it in, we can. But we can take, cut this out of the on, podcast feed. I just want to see what's good here. But is Driscoll grills and for fifty? You can go what's watch the, the video, everybody. But it's other than those fifteen who minutes, just love you, and are you know, supportive. where Driscoll's getting after him about leaving his church, and then I don't know. It's crazy. I, I can remember. I, I watched that. I think sometime around the time I worked at Mars Hill, mm-hmm. and thinking, man, Driscoll is, is just funny and cool and awesome. I, I can remember thinking that, like. Francis Chan's quitting. Why is he quitting? Maybe he shouldn't. Like, I mean, right. like it just shows you, like, I have changed. Like, mm-hmm. now I see it as, <laughs> yeah. now now I see it as, wait a minute, maybe uh, Francis Chan was really being thoughtful and careful yeah. and trying to oh, honor yeah. God. And Driscoll was, in, if, now in retrospect, I think he's feeling defensive, protecting mm-hmm. what he had a little I bit. Saw you, know, you don't walk away yeah, from your church. You built there. it. It's yeah. huge. I saw Francis Chan as reckless. That's a, that's such yeah. an interesting point that you made because I I just listened to what Matt played through totally different ears right. than what when I first saw it when I, I when I first saw it, I was just like you I was like you know Driscoll's doing a good job he's kind of keeping it light calling him cuckoo for cocoa pops but he's making a really good point man why would you leave right. you know I'm glad that he's being assertive with Francis Chan and now I'm just I agree that's crazy well you know what I think's some- weird about it is that you know they're. Driscoll is those things. It is awesome and a good communicator and funny and and powerful in that way. It's just it's a weird thing what you direct it at and what you use it for. And I think people see it's the same thing. You know how poor, poor people still like uh, the they still want lower taxes on the rich. Like conservatives, they see themselves as well. One day when I am rich, I don't want the rich people to be taxed. They, they see the rich people, the Donald Trumps, these other people as heroes. And so even though they're in a low tax bracket, they'll often support not taxing the rich because they see the rich as I'll be rich. And when it's me, like they, they, you know, you see Mark Driscoll as a Christian as like, I'm trying to talk to people. I'm trying to preach the gospel. I'm trying to reach souls and he's killing it. Nobody getting his, like, he's the better version of me. Like you idolize him. That's what it is. And so you don't want him to be taken down because you're following him. He's the better you. Like one day I'll yeah. be in that position. I don't want to be taken down. There's some there's some weird way that people look at it there. I think. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah. I know. I, I know there were even some pastors at the time uh, that when when Driscoll was trying to make a rebound and rebrand himself and get back into the church world, you know, he was also open to speaking gigs. And I know some pastors that it was tempting to have Driscoll come to their church because it's freaking Mark Driscoll. Like, Mark Driscoll, have him come to the church, and it'll be impactful. People will come and all that. But they're just like, no, it's just not the right thing to do. We don't. So so there also are pastors that see things similar to how we see them. And, and you know, so I, we're not painting the church with, with one stroke here. But, uh, you know, it, it's definitely 
it's definitely something that's really making me think as far as how different we treat the pastoral role. I mean, it's just, it's not good. It, it, for me, I, I was thinking about the same thing. Like, it, it is a really good question. Can a pastor come back from this? And you were talking about Darren Patrick. Joey, I know that you know him and are friends with him. Um, and can a, a pastor come back? My initial response is no. <laughs> that is my initial response. I, that is the way I feel now. I might be wrong about that. Maybe there is a real uh, repentance, a real calling, a real renewal of spirit, uh, a real realization that you screwed up and you're back. But one of the points that Jake made that I think is true is there isn't a way out. Like if we love our pastors, we should expect one, that they're going to screw up. Two, if this is it, maybe we should have some kind of plan, like an out for pastors. Like if your pastor screws up, the church will, uh, you know, we... We'll pay for a college education for four years for him to get a new job, yeah, but he can't preach him. again. Well, look, let's you know look I mean? at the word disqualified. Like, like, There's a word called disqualified. Now, if the Bible said temporarily disqualified, that'd be different, wouldn't it? Right. We're talking about a word disqualified. That's true. What, what do you requalify? I mean, if you look at disqualified, what happens next? Disqualification for like a deacon, right? Uh, for deacons and stuff like that, it doesn't. I mean, and these you know, pastors preach their whole lives about your reputation is everything. You must guard your reputation. All this you're stuff. You're doing a Joey voice. You, is it, you have to, like, <laughs> you know, respect, discern slowly, and law school. They preach like that, and then they get yeah. disqualified, which is apparently temporary and very like. What is that? A timeout? I mean, what? What is yeah. it? I mean, the the only thing that's tough here, though, is I, I feel like this is possibly because I, I, we're all on the same page. What Toby just said uh, about not coming back, Matt nor myself are like, oh, that's crazy. Like, we get that. But I think there's somewhat of a double standard, at least that I have, that bad Christian, we represent ourselves as saying we're no good and nobody is any good. We're all just trying and thank the Lord for a Savior. So why would we say pastors though if you do something really bad you're too messed up to keep being a pastor because like, I, I, the bible says that i mean i'm saying like look you, i mean i'm not one to be super big on but inerrancy you're, you're, but i'm saying the closer you stick to the bible the, the more you see qualification being a thing and disqualification being a thing biblically sure sure a but life you can of be this disqual- a man, uh, you know all, yes, all the qualifications but, there and yeah but but an athlete can can be uh, ready for two different events in the Olympics, but they can jump in the pool too early for one race and they do it twice. They're disqualified from that. It doesn't mean that they're disqualified as a swimmer. You're just, you're disqualified. That's that's kind of crazy. I mean, like which analogy fits better? The malpractice doctor or the person who didn't quite make the, the pole vault. Or or how about Matt? How about, what about Matt Lauer right now? I mean, there's a chance I mean, that he Matt, could redeem himself, but is that going to be in one year? And that, and what is it like? And his job is about teaching the news. Yeah, that, that's or, clearly or, 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 or not the spirit the of the Bible. Is the pole vault? The, the Bible is that the actual guy that the, the actual guy or lady that does that does the preaching is held to a standard. That, that's why I mean, yeah, okay. If, so a sexual standard is what we're saying then, because Peter no. obviously probably did the worst uh, thing he could possibly do, and he wasn't disqualified. In fact, it seems like the church really true. needed him to keep going. So are, are we talking sexual sin disqualifies? No. I mean, I just I I, I obviously think I obviously think that there is major problems with pastors coming back. I mean, y'all know where I where I stand with that, but it just seems like 
okay, so we have to treat pastors differently. We're, we're saying that pastors are just like everybody else, but then we treat them differently when they mess up really badly. Um, but yeah, I get the point too, that is, it is partly the nature of their job. So yeah, it's a tricky one. It's definitely tricky. Yeah. I mean, in the Bible, I think it, the the big one is the the sexual sin, though, right? That's the one that everybody it gets everybody, uh, or that's the one that really disqualifies you. Be married to one wife, or be faithful to one wife, be sober, my uh, several different things. But that is one of the criteria. So, what if I mean, what if we just started there? If you do sexual sin, you don't get to preach anymore. Why would that be so crazy? Like, let's just start with that one. Like, if it's something else, okay, yeah. we'll talk about that down the road. Let's just start with one. If you do some sexual sin stuff. Like masturbate the Bible to porn. Says well, yeah, but that sure. gets great because every you know everybody's yeah, a you're right. And, you know that fa- falls apart, and, or, or, and you know or not. I mean, maybe so. I mean, maybe Joey I just should be I just, disqualified. Maybe yeah. you should be disqualified. I mean, like, maybe so. No, I, I'm being really serious. Like, not right. Joe. I don't think I don't. I guess I don't feel like you should because I think you're a great guy and you try and you're doing stuff. But maybe, maybe, maybe it's right. such a high standard that we have lowered our standards too much. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean like, is, is that that's a good point. But, but How many then, churches are there? <laughs> like, I mean, what if, what if you did look at porn and masturbated? You don't preach. Like, but maybe then you you're doing, you're, but then you're doing this, the very thing that we don't like. And that's setting pastors on like this, this platform that's better than everybody else. Well, you just did that again then by saying if a pastor messes up and masturbates to porn, he or can't pastor again. But everybody, but everybody else that doesn't apply to you. So yeah, I, but I, I mean, I don't know about it, that. it gets. That's what I'm saying. It, it, there's, it's so hard in 2017 right. to talk about the Bible. It's just it's almost too hard. But it says. If you want to try to follow it, it says above reproach in First Timothy. It says respectable, and, and it says well thought of by outsiders or qualifications. So yeah. now, if you want yeah, the more biblical and errant really you are, you say well thought of by outsiders. Now, how are you going to interpret that shit? I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and, and why would you be so hard on, uh, no, gay is wrong, and, and if somebody says, well, what if it's monogamous? The Bible isn't clear right. on that, and they right. go, nope, gay is wrong. Right, I mean, well, it, right. why, why too, would you be so know. hard on the certain things but not this one is all I'm saying. I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think you should step down. I think you're very open and honest <laughs> about your life Joey and your struggle. stepping down and, by the end and, of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Okay, I'm done. God, now I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't be a school teacher again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about the conference some more before we get out of here. Do y'all have any other questions about it? Anything else to talk about it? We, do we figure I'm out just, where well, people will stay? We're going to do, do Airbnbs? What else we're going to do? Well, people I think that do, it's. Well, I mean, people can find their own accommodations too. But I'm working right now to try and talk to a few uh, hotels to see if we can reserve some floors or a room or two or whatever, whatever we can do. So there'll be some TBA about that as well. But yeah, if you're coming, I would I would highly recommend you go ahead and uh, book a hotel as well because I don't know what's going on that weekend. Uh, you know, what if the Titans are headed towards the Super Bowl or something? I don't know. Well, I, well, uh, Matt, yeah, did you say the very, date yet? Yes, yeah, January is, 27th and 28th, which is the week before right. Super Bowl Sunday, which means right. it won't be a football game. We know that. Not only a Titans game, there'll oh, be no cool. football on that Sunday. So. And we will be downtown right by, really actually really close to Titans Stadium, but it is downtown Nashville. So if you're looking for accommodations this early, well, it's at the Anchor Church. That's the venue. We've got that. I confirmed yeah. that yesterday. So if you look up the Anchor Church's address, it's right there, kind of downtown. I, um, I guess you know, I, find your Airbnbs. The hotels yeah. close by. Maybe we'll get a discount on a hotel soon. I guess the only thing that I would want to point out, and hopefully you can 
uh, discern this on your own by just hearing how Matt described it and reading the stuff that's going on. I mean, don't when you think conference, don't think what you are normally accustomed to, uh, because maybe you'd be disappointed. It's going to be a lot different. From what would they the norm, expect but. that they'd be disappointed not to get in your experience with dumb uh, conferences? just just basically the. No, I think you're, you just made a good point. They're going to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I almost don't even want to use the word conference because those things are so stiff. But I, right. this not this will not be stiff. It's going to be there's right. only 200 spots, so I mean it's going to be hard to keep that from being literally just people in the BC club that have already bought tickets si- right. since we've started this episode. So yeah. it's going to be it's going to be rowdy. It's going to be fun. Yeah, there there's a lot of people in the BC club that are purchasing right now because I posted it on BC club. So it, yeah. If you're listening to this and you're interested, you need to just go to the website now, honestly, because very well may not be any tickets left by that time. Tons I mean, can, of is there, da- is there a up. danger that like it'll be reported like the the day after Bad Christian Con, it'll it'll be all over the news like just a gang of these uh, liberal Christians started fighting and killing people in downtown. Like, are we going to get so wild and crazy that it's going to be like that? Like, we'll go... A pack of roving... All the all the, all the all the people visiting the Bad Christian Con will go to a church and just fight people. <laughs> <laughs> get drunk and just stumble out of the conference and go pick on people. Head towards a Baptist right. church. <laughs> <All right. laughs> BadChristianCon.com. Oh, I did forget. I didn't say yet the theme of the conference, which is basically... I don't know what to put in the website. I don't have the, the perfect language for it yet, but... Um, um, I said uh, something about the theme of it is going to be that we're moving into, at this point, we've uncoupled the Christianity from politics and moral superiority. These things are all a mess now. You know, the Christian dynamic is not the lead thing in the country anymore. And so we're right. caught, that's a post-Christian future we're moving into, and we're kind of excited about it because it means we get to design the future we want. And I think that starts right with bad Christian and like-minded people like us that are out there doing stuff, it's kind of an exciting time. I know some things have been destroyed that we have all participated in and cared about, but, you know, 2016, 17 is kind of a hinge point of history and church history, I believe. So it's yeah, kind sure. of exciting to look to the future and say, is as it regard as, in regards to faith and Jesus Christ, what is the future? Well, I don't know. Let's talk about it. Let's start it. Let's figure it out. What what does decentralized, less institutional power mean for the Christian church? Let's talk. Here yeah. we go. What's was everybody's? What are yeah. we thinking? What what do we get to design? What, we have more freedom now than we did before. It's gonna be fun. Yep. Hey, well, real quick, let me highlight some some names of people that help make this happen. And I, I want to say I I will figure. It's not going to be anything. Uh, off the charts or anything, but I'm going to figure out something special to do for the BC Clubbers that uh, show up in Nashville on January. But these people have uh, just recently joined. That's Bruce F. Pagano II, Will Russell, Susanna Dowd, Matthew Moe, um, I think that's Mo M E A U X, Nicholas Ventura, Matthew Tyre, T Y R E, Kate A. Jacquez or Jakes, Derek Gridley, Matt Meltzler, and Alex Esposito. Thank you all for joining the BC Club. You can go to thebcclub.com and uh, check out what BC Club is all about. These are the folks that help keep us going. So I'll give you an example of what the BC Club's uh, contributions and money goes to. It goes to organizing, paying the design 
paying for this website. We've already booked a bunch of people's travel. You know, we hadn't earned a dime. Well, I guess we've sold some tickets now, so we're going to start recouping some money. But we, you know, we already went out and spent many thousands of dollars to make this conference happen before ticket one. Actually, but millions of dollars. Millions of dollars because <laughs> we, we, you know, we, you know, we we could just we could just decide we're going to do a conference, take the support of the BC Club. And then go make it happen. Start spending the money immediately, and it's gonna be it's great. It's, it's working. Everybody I've talked to is like, dude, I totally want to come. Booking Pete ends, no problem. You know, it's just, it's amazing. So thank you guys for giving us a voice and making this be a community because we just tell people that are very cool that we want to hear from, and everybody's like, yes, I want to come. I'd like to participate. It's very very easy. I can't imagine what it would take to start a Christian conference or any conference from scratch. You know, but we got a, we've got a community yeah. already. So it's just a matter of why wouldn't we put everybody together? And thank you guys for supporting us with the club and, and you know just being a listener. Everybody, it's gonna hey, be hey, I'm gonna go at. Matt, I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, Toby, you too. I'm talking to you. I'm gonna go ahead okay. and de- I'm gonna go ahead and declare BC as a mm-hmm. Christian denomination. Like I'm just gonna go ahead and declare <laughs> official that denomination. Because, yeah, it's an official uh, not. No, it's a denomination. We're not non-denominational. We are BC. You know, people. Uh, you've got um, PC. I think like ECPC or something like that. And they're like a BC ECPC Lemon Squeezy <laughs> denomination. But yeah, BC. We're a denomination. And it really PCP. is cool. Matt said that we Matt are a big community. <laughs> Matt, Matt, hey, Joey, I was community. thinking what you could do. What you could do that would be special for the people is you could have an adult size booth. Yeah, where people come penis in penis viewing booth. But I, I did want to say <laughs> penis evaluation booth. You get, I mean, Spencer. so nobody, no, there's no harassment there. You you, you know it's what you're getting into when you walk it. Yeah, it's consi- if you walk in that booth, you know what to expect. But Pastor Joey will be there. It's, it's an adult sized booth. Now, the bad thing is, Joey, I don't know if Joey actually is going to be able to be at the conference. Uh, Virgil's fence is pressing charges of sexual harassment against Joey for showing up this week. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor, Pastor in Charleston, South Carolina's oh, own father. <laughs> I was sitting in my living room and my son. You're right. My God. Oh, you're right. It fits the profile. I flashed my dad. I didn't, it didn't sound like a, something we knew was a problem at the I time, know. but it fits a profile. Joey seemed like such a good guy. Now you, his own father he abused. I didn't know that was oh, a thing, man. but that's that's freaky. Like now that that's all, all of that's coming out, that that's just the move. Like you just have somebody come in your office and you, you just pull your pants down. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like I, that. I mean, it I would, really is just horrific. I would be so. Uh, I mean, I don't understand how you get to that point. I really don't. I, we we got to end this podcast. But I mean, how do you? <laughs> like, I would. I'd feel so nervous and terrible. I was but that's what. That's what power desperate. does. No, no, no. I'm talking, <laughs> Joey. We're not talking about you. Not we're you. talking about these people. But I'm just saying. <laughs> but that's I the understand. Move. I understand. Yeah. But you know what's horrifying what about that? Because it is horrifying. It's so bad that they did that. And it here's the here's just what's awful about it. People don't understand it, but it obviously some other percentage of the time, over maybe over fifty percent, it just worked. Gosh, do you know what I'm saying? Like that's I, the dark you know, side yeah. of that is. You, yeah, th- sometimes it didn't work, but they wouldn't. They that's the move that these people will do when they have enough power and confidence because it must work like it's not There's like a percentage it, it's not and, 99 and, out yeah. of 100 people ran out of the room with allegations it right something other than that happened most of the time that's horrible but it's true yeah and, and those and those dudes 
there was no uh, there was no accountability, or nobody believed him, or, or people shut down the lady. So they they would try it and go, well, that one didn't work out. Moving on, right? It's Struck just a out numbers there. game. I tried it a hundred times. Yeah. It worked sixty. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's no, gross. that intern's a that intern's yeah. a jerk. I'm firing her. Yeah, you know, and that's what that's how the, the power moves. But I just I cannot. It is just so crazy. Uh, it's just, I mean, I, I have really been, the, the whole idea, I mean, we could talk about this forever. Maybe we should talk about this in the future too, but I, I keep seeing the word predator, like sexual predators and stuff like that. And it, that, that, uh, that plays into that women are prey. And that, yeah. it, that whole idea of women being yeah. prey and how did we get there and why, what is that uh, psychology mm, right. and thought process and power there that women are prey? Because, I mean, I mean, I guess you could say that for anybody with less power to a more powerful person, but power corrupts, man. It just does. When you have some power, it obviously corrupts you. And that's just like today's, I mean, when a pastor gets some power, it is it, yeah. easily able to, they're easily able to be corrupted. It yeah. Just is. And you see that with the people that know the least about the situation, almost only defend the powerful person. That's what I only thing yeah. I ever hear about the pastors. I say, well, it's actually, yeah. this is a problem. This problem. Well, how do you, I mean, you know, somebody that has no grip on the situation will usually right. come the defense of the powerful person. There's this a lot of problems there. But. That's what I'm saying. How, what was Virgil Spencer supposed to do? I mean, his son's a, a big wig at Seacoast Megachurch. But Virgil Spencer, who's, who can he tell? And Barbara just stood by while it all happened. Barbara's the real sick person here. Hey, I never told y'all like the complete end of that story, did I? <laughs> I don't no. know. Please do. So, so my dad. So I'm was pulling a, my pants back up. Can I give? Can I, I'll give. Look, everybody hadn't been here since episode 92 That's or right. whatever that would be. So I'll say in one sentence: Joey was worried that his penis was the size of a child's, so he showed it to his, pulled his pants down and showed it to his father before his wedding night to make sure he was adult size, and his father confirmed that he in fact did have an adult size wiener. Yeah, now, and if you want to know, story, and, please. And, 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 and if you want to know why I thought I had a tiny penis, you have to buy my book. Okay, yeah. so uh, <laughs> it's, t- it's no, but it's any- titled "Why I Thought I Had a Tiny Penis" by Joey Spencer. <laughs> no fundamentalist. So listen, I I basically my dad does my dad. There's a point where he doesn't understand why I did that. Like even yeah, though I, I said, I, what? Is How could he not? So, no, How could so he not listen understand what, that. Li- listen to what he guesses. He says, Joey. He said, "Are you are you scared about your honeymoon night?" And he says, "Because you know when when me and your mom, you know, basically what I did." I was like, "No, Dad, no, 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 no. That's not the problem." He was about to tell me how he handled his honeymoon. Night. Oh my! Like what to do? Like he, he was about to tell you describe what he did to your mom on the this honeymoon night. <laughs> yes. And you stopped him. Yeah. What kind of maniac? I don't want to hear that. <laughs> it would have been worth it so you could tell it to me later, though. You should have taken one for the team there. You should have let him tell you so you could have told me and Toby later. <laughs> or, or everybody that listens to the podcast. I know. <laughs> don't everybody that listens to the podcast would love to know how your mom and dad had sex. <laughs> <laughs> what Virgil Svensson's moves were on the honeymoon. Just the night. details. I mean, I, so... <laughs> Hey, I, I have always wondered, was it completely silent in the room? Like you heard the zipper come down, <laughs> the belt unbuckle, the pants go. 
Like, could, was was it was it almost slow motion for you? And you saw your dad's eyes slowly go down. And then he took what did he take? Two two super long deep breaths before he spoke. I mean, how long was the pause once your pants I, were down? I do I do remember that he was definitely lounging. I remember he was chill, boy. He was like leaning back on the couch. And then when I showed him, he was just so surprised. He was erect. But then he kind of had a smile on his face, and he just kind of like patted me on the knee, and he's just like, "Yeah, you're you're fine. You're fine." How sweet that wow. is! I really think that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> my dad would have shot me. No, not, not joking. He would have pulled out a gun and shot me. Not, not he joking. One hundred percent. I cannot. He would have thought you were a liberal. He would have been like, "What yeah. are you, a liberal? <laughs> Get that liberal wiener out of here!" Get that liberal thing out of here. (laughs) All right, we're out. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.